Amen. If you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we conclude our sermon series called Christmas Carols. Just a, a year or so ago, I think it's been a couple of years ago, we, um, on a Wednesday night in December, a group of us left here after the church service. We went to a local assisted living home and we sang Christmas carols. And we had let them know ahead of time that we were coming and we made our way over there. Everybody was gathered together in the facility waiting on us. We sang together, smiled together, laughed together, had a great time. And then we decided to take the show on the road and we went outside of the facility and we went to a few of the townhomes that are right uh, behind the facility. And we weren't sure if, if they had gotten the message that we may or may not be there to Christmas Carol. So when we went to some of the homes, uh, we found out our answer pretty quick because as we knocked on a few doors and stood outside and began to sing, one lady in particular row, uh, raised up her garage door and as it raised up, she walked outside and saw us. And of course our faces lit up and we're all smiling like here's someone to Carol to. She looks at us, turns around, presses the garage door button, and it closes in our faces. A hundred percent true. One of my favorite Christmas memories ever, seriously. As 30 or so people from, from Lindsay Lane have come to sing joy to the world, she has shut the door in our faces, and we are all just dying laughing, you know, as we move on to the next house and hopefully for a better experience. But it was apparent she did not know we were coming. It, it was apparent that it was somewhat unannounced. This past Sunday, we read the truth of an angel of the Lord who suddenly showed up with the shepherds, like stood right beside them, unannounced. While well, I'd been prophesied for what was coming, their announcement was, was sudden. And it visited these shepherds at night in the field nearby, the birth of baby Jesus, and the angel on special assignment was there with this message. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And following this one angel, world-changing announcement was a mega choir of angels who turned a simple night in Israel to an outer world celebration. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is considered another Christmas carol in the birth narrative. A song of praise to the God in the highest heaven and the promoter and presenter of peace. And the Bible calls the congregation of angels a heavenly host, a multitude of heavenly hosts. The thought for that and the word translation is the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven. Now that's interesting when you think about it because an army usually does not introduce or announce peace but announces war. If an army is announcing peace, that must mean that the battle is over or it's about to be. A journalist once studied human history to determine if there were any sustained periods of peace or as he defined it, any periods without active conflicts that claim more than 1,000 lives. He reviewed a few thousand years of history and discovered that 92% of human history has recorded war. 
I learned this week the Christmas song, Do You Hear What I Hear, which is very familiar. It's on the radio and sung by many. We probably sang it to her as she closed the door on us a couple years ago. Do You Hear What I Hear was actually composed, while it is composed as a Christmas song with the imagery of the nativity in the backdrop, it's actually composed as a political song. It was written during a year where it was called for peace during the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis against the backdrop of possible war. When sin arrived, conflict arrived. When sin arrived, war arrived. And one great day in the future, Jesus will make all things new and the world will experience peace under the rule of the King of Kings. But until that time is settled, there is a greater conflict that remains. A greater conflict even than man against man. A greater conflict even against nation against nation. It's the conflict of man against God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Sin puts us in conflict with God. Sin is what separates us with God. Sin ultimately causes the conflict that we experience with others. Sin is ultimately what causes what we experience with discord within ourselves. But the good news of Christmas came with the announcement of the angels that the ministry of Jesus brings peace to people. And this is not peace without terms. I want you to hear this today before you leave. This peace that we talk of, that we sing of, that we read of in the scripture that comes at Christmas time, this is not a peace with unestablished terms. This is not a peace with unestablished parameters. It's not an all call to let everything go and let everybody be. This is the kind of peace that our world calls for now, a call for an absence of conflict without any authority. Now, can you imagine what our homes, our schools, our churches, our towns would be like if we left each and everybody to themselves to determine what's best for themselves, to choose for themselves whichever the way they may want to go without any consideration of others or any consideration of authority or any consideration of God. This call to peace is only idealistic. It's pie in the sky. It won't work if I can make it plain because of our nature to sin. Our character within our nature to sin is not to build up, it is to tear down. It is to pull to ourselves and to work ourselves away towards what we prefer. Counting on an absence of conflict without the presence of authority is simply a danger to yourself and to others. It's been quoted by many and it's true. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. When the most high God has rightful place as ruler, there is peace. When Jesus establishes peace on earth, king of kings, lord and lords, new heaven and new earth, there will be peace like we've never experienced in our life. When you allow Jesus to be the king of your home, there'll be peace in your home. When you allow King Jesus to be peace over your life, and your relationships, there'll be peace like you've never experienced in your personal life, in your personal relationships. When the Most High God has his rightful place, there will be personal peace and corporate peace. Jesus, the Son of God, was sent into the world to show us how to live, 
to die a sacrificial death in our place for our sins and raised to life again for our hope to be our living Savior, and watch it, and King, ruler, authority. And when he has his rightful place as ruler of authority, there will be peace. It's only when we align ourselves under the authority of the Son of God, under the authority of the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, where we will see peace in our life. And when we align ourselves with God, we also begin to see us be change agents of peace in our relationships. And once we've experienced peace with God, we experience peace with others. Now listen to this. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased is what the Bible says. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The thought for that, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is the correct interpretation. Peace toward men on whom God's sovereign favor or pleasure rests. Now, with that being said, the very phrasing implies the sobering truth that God is not pleased with everyone. Now, you may think to yourself, now that's not a warm and welcoming Christmas message. It is if you know him. The truth stands still. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Peace rests and favor rests within those whom God is pleased. Again, the very wording of it suggests that God's favor does not rest on everyone just because you are who you are and, and just because you've been born. We have a nature to sin that separates us. Therefore, there is conflict and separation between man and God without the help and hope of God. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. Everyone has heavenly value. Everyone is made in the image of God. And because we are made in the image of God, we are eligible for redemption and eligible to connect with God on that spiritual level. But the truth also stands that sin left undone and left touched by God leaves us in a position of conflict. So if the scripture says peace on earth and goodwill towards men, Peace on earth, peace to those in favor of God, to those with whom God is pleased. If you ask today, and what I think we all should ask before we leave, is God pleased with me? How would you answer it? Is God pleased with me? Knowing that I have doubt, knowing that I have bad decision, knowing that I have weaknesses, knowing that I have selfishness, knowing that I have sin, knowing who I am and who God knows that I am. When I ask the question, is God pleased with me? If you ask me that today, here's what I will answer with. God is pleased with his son. God is pleased with his son. So to follow the question, is God pleased with me on Christmas? I tell you this and ask you this. Do you live and believe in his son? If you live and believe in his son, then God's peace unto you. God's favor rests upon you because God's favor and peace rests within his son. Have you turned from your sin? Have you turned to God by calling on Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? Have you allowed Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to be king and ruler over your life? When we think about our lives personally, when we think about our lives corporately, when we think about life as it should be in our nation, in our world, let's all be reminded that the government will rest on his shoulders. That he is the king of kings. He is the ruler over all things and should be the ruler over every Christian who calls himself one. And if you find yourself today in Christmas time with unrest and there's unrule in your heart and life, 
If there's something going on in your family that's driving a wedge right between all of you and splitting you apart, know that he is the Prince of Peace. It's not just written in a word, it's acted by the Spirit of God and will rule and reign over your home into the next year and change your life. The scripture says in Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore, since we have been made right with God in his sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. This is the primary peace we need, peace with God. And that comes through faith in that Christ child. Amen and amen. We'll enter to a time of brief invitation. I want you to know there's no time like Christmas to get saved. If you need to get saved today, why don't you come and walk the aisle? If you've got questions, if you need to ask us, what does it mean to be saved? Maybe you just want to tell us, I need to be saved. We'd love to have you come to this altar today on Christmas to pray for yourself, to pray for your family. There's nothing that says you have to come to the altars. Nothing that says you have to come for us. We're just here to help you. And the altar's there for you to get on your face before God. Why not let Christmas be the day that you look back to, that you've drawn a line in the sand, that you will accept God's, not only his salvation, but his reign and rule over your life. Let's stand to our feet. And God, we thank you. We thank you, O Lord, that you have come to save us, but you have also come to stay with us not to leave us, not to forsake us, but God, to give us forgiveness and right standing with you forever. And Lord, you have offered your Lordship to us. Father, we all know in here, when we turn ourselves over to you and let you have it, there's peace in our life. So Lord, if there be one or many today that need personal peace, Father, I pray that they would know that the answer is found within your Lordship to let you have it, to let you drive, to let you lead ahead as we walk behind. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for not leaving us in the dark, for giving us life and giving us light, for giving us direction. Lord, I pray today on Christmas as we think about the life that you gave to the world, the light that you gave to the world, Lord, I pray that we would yield so that you can give it to us each and every day as you lead us as our King. Guide us in our decisions. Guide us in our responses in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen.